Good afternoon, buenas tardes. Aquí estamos, el Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. And here we are with an amazing panel today. We're going to be talking about uh, the Hispanic culture. We all have some great stories to share with you all. But before we get right to it, I'd like to introduce our panelists here today. We have Alvaro Nunez, who is with the city of Santa Ana, and he is the assistant director of planning and building. We also have uh, Jose Roy, who is also the director of City Austin Code. And in addition to that, a candidate for the ICC board. So make sure you check his stuff out. Bor for Jose. <laughs> and, um, and our, yeah, and our very own Pete Roque, Pedro Roque, and me, Cece Muela. Pleasure being here with you all today. Can't wait to get to the conversation and learn a little bit about all of us, uh, our contributions to the profession, and also a little background as to what makes us who we are. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Pete, take it away. Awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, I thought it was important to have the uh, dialogue in Cultura uh, Hispana. You know, uh, we get to, uh, you know, as Latinos, we get to experience code enforcement in a different manner because some of us grew up in different upbringings. And I'll give you my quick story for those that haven't heard it. I grew up, um, I came here to the United States as a couple months old uh, as an illegal alien. Uh, I was naturalized when I was six years uh, old, you know, under Ronald Reagan. Uh, so, you know, my family and, and we got naturalized and we became, you know, good outstanding citizens of uh, the United States. Uh, but in doing so, um, my parents did have two, three jobs. So they were never present. And we live in a substandard apartment that no longer exists in the city of Long Beach. It was that bad that the uh, press telegram named it the worst building in the city of Long Beach, which is now a park. Um, you know, so for me growing up, living in an apartment with three families, a one bedroom was normal to me. I lived in a closet with my, my parents um, and uh, next to the water heater which, which uh, can explain a lot about, you know, my thinking. <laughs> also, um, you know, for me, seeing roaches and mice was normal. Seeing cats coming out of the wall was normal. And, you know, so for me, substandard housing was not, you know, an issue until I got older and I realized that, you know, that wasn't a way to live. Um, you know, we had uh, issues with lead in the house. Um, and then, you know, we all had that uncle that lived in the garage. Uh, we also we also knew the uh, local street vendors, so that was my journey in the code. So what I learned from that is for me to, how to empathize with those individuals when we come across you know people living in the garage. We don't see them as you know, hey, you know, they're they're horrible people. It's sometimes they just don't have the means to you know live somewhere that's habitable, you know, with a current standard. So that's one thing I learned how to empathize. I can put myself in their shoes because I lived it. You know, when I see the roach infestation or see somebody be afraid of their landlord or something like that, I, I understand them and, you know, I can get them the help that they need. And I think that helped me mold into understanding our, you know, our Hispanic community and, you know, being able to relay the message that it's okay for you to uh, seek assistance from city government. So that that is my uh, kind of intro to, uh, to me. Yeah, well, well, there you have it. You know, um if that's not a, a piroquet story in a pinch, I don't know what is. But uh, so tapping into what you said, Pete, um, coming into this country, right, um, an immigrant, to the, you know, to here to the U.S., uh, having experienced what you did in your in your earlier years growing up, 
how that molded you into who you are today as an enforcement officer. But in addition to that, you, you keyed on something that I think is super important. It's the empathy component, right? So a lot of the times when we do code enforcement, we say, you know, you have to be empathetic, you have to be sympathetic, but there's a super difference between being sympathetic and being empathetic. And having sympathy for someone is saying, oh, you know, sorry about your luck, you know, hope things get better. But being empathetic is really putting yourself in that person's shoes, trying to see where they're coming from, from their lens, right, from what they're experiencing, and really being solution-oriented, solution if you will. So I, I appreciate what you said. I think that's really awesome. Um, before we get too digressed into that conversation, I want to go over to Mr. Jose Roy. Mr. Jose Roy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot, huh? I am. <laughs> First of all, thank you, Pete. Thank you, Ceci, for doing this. I think this is a great conversation, and I always appreciate the time that you dedicate to the, to the industry. And really raising the profile, definitely, you guys are rock stars. So, yes, uh, the, the, the beauty of diversity, you know, having different experiences, coming from different backgrounds, and coming together to share those experiences is, is a beautiful thing. So, in my, in my case, I, I, I hear Pete, that story is like, wow, man, you got to go through that, right? And I, and I know people that went through that. In my case, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I know, as you know, Puerto Rico is uh, it's a U.S. territory. Uh, even though they have, they're associated with the United States, and we're not going to talk about the political uh, situation that will take an hour. Uh, we still under the under the U.S. Uh, you know influence. And uh, in 19 in 1993, I decided to move to Massachusetts. You know, looking for better opportunities. You know, and uh, and I, uh, you know, in Puerto Rico, there was nothing about inspections or court enforcement. There was nothing at that time that that actually dealt with that. Uh, you know, I grew up in a, in a great family. My parents were, were teachers. Um, you know, we had a great, great home. Uh, but yeah, there was a housing that, you know, it was neglected uh, in the community, but there was nothing, you know, that at that point that actually dealt with that. Coming to, coming to the United States in Massachusetts, I, uh, when I came to work, you know, I, I always tell people, I came, I came to the United States with 20 bucks in my pocket, and that's the truth. Uh, and I spent 17 bucks on a pizza that day that I came. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we hustle. We, we, we here to work, we hustle. And, uh, but I learned that there was an industry that uh, there was an opportunity to become inspector. Uh, and I, and I, I, I went to school. I actually get certified. I was the first Hispanic in Massachusetts, license number 64. Uh, so I was doing for a private company, housing inspections, uh, commercial inspections. And, and that was a great experience in the private sector. And I saw those things, you know, I went uh, many times to do multifamily inspections and I saw those conditions. And like I said, you actually identify, say how people can live like this, right? But anyway, I, I went through that. I was heavily involved in the construction and uh, from there moved to, uh, to Florida to actually work for another company there. In 2007, uh, I come to Texas and I started working for the public sector. And that's when I really realized that I can make a difference in the community. You know, when you actually become a public servant and you go out and you see that. So I started as a building inspector, you know, so I come from that background. And in 2018, I had the chance to come into court enforcement uh, in the Austin Code Department. But I worked very close with all the inspectors throughout all these years. So I knew exactly what they did. And and the thing I love about, about our industry and our using our backgrounds and, and like I said, different filters, right? Because we, have, we come from different backgrounds. So we have different filters to see things but connecting with the community and, and, and listening to the community. 
and and you know and, and i hear my inspectors go like you know i went to this apartment i don't know how the people can live like this you know making sure that we can make a difference you know for anybody for somebody and uh you know we see there's a lot of latinos in the community that that we help and we try to connect with everybody you know with with the diverse you know uh, view of things and, and situations that we that we deal with and uh you know we make a difference we do make a difference and 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 we use those experiences that we have from you know in our background to actually get there but it's, it's inspiring to actually hear pete and you know the, those stories yeah i couldn't agree more and you know you um i think you said something like license number 64. <laughs> is that what you said i was number um, 64 in massachusetts my goodness, we're, i think we're like way into the thousands mr jose just to razz you a little bit um you know what that is really great to hear that and you said also something that's really key in what we do is that connectivity right connecting with the communities that we serve really again understanding where they're coming from coming from understanding some of the concerns that they may have understanding perhaps why they're not reporting things in their units perhaps the fear component perhaps a retaliatory component right whatever that may be perhaps the lack of understanding um certain regulations right and 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 not really knowing pizza something like you know i roaches weren't weren't foreign to me i that was kind of my upbringing but it's because of that lack of knowledge right we don't we didn't necessarily have that before but because we know and we recognize it we can better connect with the folks that we serve because we understand now that that is obviously an issue that that needs to be addressed That's so great. i appreciate that very much um going on to mr alvaro nunez uh, let's hear a little bit about you sir so again uh, my name is alvaro nunez i'm the assistant director of planning and building here in the city of santa Ana. we're the uh, 12 largest city in the state of california so i say that only as a premise, so because I was literally born in uh, the Coachella Valley, El Valle de Coachella, uh, an hour, hour and a half from the Mexicali Calexico border in the US, right? And yet you can tell by the way I speak, my accent is very heavy, right? I was born in the United States, continental United States, right? But <laughs> that was my rural upbringing. So my area, the Eastern Coachella Valley, uh, when people hear about the Coachella Festival, right, that they, or, or Coachella Valley, think about Palm Springs, Rancho Mirage, Indian Wells, very high-end uh, communities. My upbringing was more of a rural. It was the eastern Coachella Valley. Right? And I said an hour, an hour and a half of the Mexicali border because you had that proximity, right? And so my accent, in that sense, then becomes that type of regional type of perspective. Can I say, you, you could tell, right, he has that Caribbean accent, right? For us, even though we were born here in the U.S., because of the proximity, you still have that sense of, uh, of, of, of accent that says, you know, hey, I should practice my English a little bit better, right? But uh, I say that because it, it, it's kind of, of an introduction of who we are uh, as a community here in California and in the Southwest. This cultural perspective, we keep talking about it ourselves, right? Who we are, how we become, and how that becomes part of our impetus to do better, right? I grew up working, you know, my first jobs were working in the fields, 13, 14 years old. The last time I picked grapes, you're right. You know, we talk about, you know, Latinos and famous Latinos like Cesar Chavez, you know, the, you know, you lead of the United Farm Working Unions and all this, but I picked grapes. You know, I finished my first year at, at the University of California, Irvine. I still went back to, to my house, to my home and I picked grapes because guess what? That's what we do, right? So. When we get this sense of, of coming to college and then starting internship, this is how I started in the city of Santa Ana, 
your eyes open, right? Uh, Pete, you talk about that sense of upbringing, uh, Jose, about this sense of who we are as a community, but we bring all that, right? More importantly, we bring that pioneering spirit. See how you said I'm Bash 64 in 1990-something? We're still new. We're still the first, right? That's the, the kind of spirit we bring from folks who are similar like us. We're the first Latino here. We're the first Chicano here, right? And so we talk about that kind of accomplishment because we recognize, you talk about empathy. It's not so much that we, we recognize that distinction, it's because we are that community. It's not a distinction. We, we talk about our uncles or, or cousins, or most primos, tios, abuelas. You have that because that's us, right? When I moved in Santa Ana, I bought in Santa Ana, I bought the tea, leave, and I still believe it. When people hear me talk of the 25 years plus in court enforcement, moving up the ranks, right? What's that song by, um, was it Dean Martin? Rags to Riches story, Tony Bennett? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I retired, that's what that song is, the Rags to Riches story, right? I didn't think I was gonna be doing this, right? We, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an important industry because it pays well to a certain extent, but we help people, right? We would think about life safety, we always think about the structural components, fire and police. We do that and not more, but we do exactly that because we help people live their, you know, their lives in a better, more improved manner. You talk about the apartments, right? You know, it's, it's unbecoming of us not to think that we help people's lives at a moment's notice. When you want to work in local government, when you talk about being public servants and you can touch somebody's life every day, very few uh, industries can say that at this level. When we write out folks, you know, we will say violations and corrective notices, because we forget that the notice of violation, the administrative citation, the notice of notice are corrective notices. It's never punitive. It's always to make improvements. It's always to correct something. And in that sense, it's always to help something. That is who we are, right? The fact that we are, and I will say it up because I know all four of you and that Jose to strengthen only by legend through Pete, is that we work hard, right? We get up every day thinking there's not a problem that's going to overwhelm us, right? There's not that's an right. issue that we can address. If it's, if it's in our realm of possibilities, we're going to complete it. Why? Because we want to make it. It's not an ego thing anymore. It's not a power thing, right? We have good positions. We have a ranking perspective. We garner some level of respect within the industry. That should be enough, but that's not our. That's not what pushes us, right? That's not what motivates us to do better. That's the key, and that and not because it's different, not because we know better. We always know it was wrong, right? We don't want to live with roaches and mice <laughs> and overcrowded conditions and substandard conditions. We know that wasn't right. Otherwise, we'll still be living there, right? right. Why are we pushing for leadership positions so that we can we can change that? Because we get it. We know, we understand. It's not just an empathy thing, it's us. It's who we are as a community, it's who we are as leaders, support, you know, and I say that in quotations, right? It's who we are as people that help other folks because it's helping ourselves too. It's how we feed our soul to a certain extent. I tell you, I've been doing this 25 years plus, and you can hear my voice, I still wanna win, whatever win means. That's right. That's right. And, you know, and that's a good point. You know, when you when you use the word pioneer, pioneer, you know, being some of the first in the industry to really kind of come in, not necessarily the first in enforcement, but 
but the first in enforcement with the mentality of we understand firsthand, we can relate, we know we lived it. Um, and you know, Alvaro and, and Pete, we've had these conversations and even with Jose, we've had conversations about how our cultural background has really played into how we relate and connect down the field to the point where the conversations that we have out there um, are tailored in such a way that we know how to be chameleons, right? We know how to adjust because we've been through it. We know, we know where someone's coming from. We know that perhaps if we're going into a gang-ridden unit that our, our, our uh, body language, our words of, uh, that we choose to use when we're communicating are gonna be slightly different. We're gonna show a level of respect, even though we're not necessarily respecting the act of what they're doing, but we're showing the respect because we know that that's how we're gonna communicate and we're gonna gain, gain that communication line. You know, for the Latinos that are unfortunately unable to stand up for themselves or, or they're um, afraid or fearful, Right? We're going to be their voice, the voice that we knew was needed when we were growing up, when we were understanding what was happening back then. So I really appreciate that you mentioned that, Alvaro, because that's true. It's the pioneering component of, of what we do in code enforcement or having the pioneering heart, right? Um, for me, you know, again, just you, many of you know me as, as Cecilia Muela, Cici Muela. I actually also am an immigrant to this country. I came to the United States at the age of four years old with my family. I came through the hills of Tijuana, if you can believe that, in the middle of the night. Helicopters, wow. border patrol, the whole nine. Um, walked, walked, walked all the way till I got to San Diego, California. And when we got there, we were uh, able to go to the airport, caught a plane by means of our coyote. Um, got to Northern California and I too grew up in an RV trailer. I didn't know that that was a substandard condition. I didn't know that was a problem um, because back then you, you don't know what you don't know, but you do know, okay, well maybe this isn't a house like Alvaro said, right? Maybe I shouldn't be living here, but it works. I'm here. Okay. I have a roof over my head, but I know that something isn't necessarily right. Um, in addition to that, I didn't speak a lick of English. Obviously my family didn't either. I was the first in my family to learn English at the ripe age of four. And that was because I, uh, experienced a lot of discrimination at the, at the hands of even Chicano Americanos, um, you know, people of all ethnic backgrounds, not one specific person, but because I didn't speak the language and I didn't look the part and I looked foreign, it, I was an easy target. And I remember feeling at, a, at a, the age of four, I need to know what they're saying. I need to be, I need to be able to respond. How am I going to do this? So I asked my, my papi at that time, my dad, I said, you know, papi, can you take me, can you take me to that store where we get the dolls? At this time now I know it was a Goodwill, right? 21 yard dumpster. And I would climb up that dumpster and I'd hop in and I'd pick a doll or a toy because my family didn't have the means. Um, but just like I did that, I asked him, I want to go there and I want a dictionary. Can you help me find one? Can you buy me one? So I found a Webster's dictionary. My dad bought me a Spanish English dictionary. And I spent the rest of my summer, four years old, reading that dictionary trying to learn English, trying to get that under my belt. And I learned it. I was the first in my family to learn it in a month. Um, and I did it because I had the desire to better protect myself, to defend myself, to understand, to know what people were saying, to be able to communicate back. But in addition to that, what that did was my family said, oh, 
Mihai, you speak you speak English. Perfect. Guess what? You're going to work with us. <laughs> you're, the trans- so, you're the translator now. Exactly. So off I went. I, I was cleaning newspaper factories with my mom. I, I, there I was, a whole four years old with my little bucket and my mop and my cleaning supplies and my broom. And she would uh, make it fun for me and say, hey, you know what? After we're done doing our, our job, I'm going to buy you a donut and a chocolate milk and it's going to be good. And, and I had a good old time. And like Alvaro, I too picked grapes. I remember getting up and um, in Spanish, we have a saying, el or la mil usos, right? Meaning you, you, you know a lot of different things, many crafts, you do many things. So we picked grapes, age of four, would ride out to the vineyards. There we were picking grapes, you know, de-weeding the, the big bins of grapes that everybody was dumping in there. Um, and in addition to that, you know, stripping copper wiring, a newspaper route, the cleaning of the offices, anything to make ends meet. And and once we got on our feed, we, we ended up in an apartment building that had a little storage shed right on the, uh, on the side yard. And me and my sisters, uh, my dad had taken us to a ranch that belonged to one of the winemakers and they, they had sheep. And so we're like, we, we want we want a sheep. We want a pet. He's like, wait, no, we can't do that. We can't have that. He's like, okay, fine. So we had a sheep for a pet in our backyard, right? My abuelita, she slept in the storage shed that was right there adjacent to our apartment building. We had no clue, right, that this was not code code acceptable. We just knew there's a there's a little house, una casita. We could make it into a, a room. They can live there. Why? What's so wrong about having a sheep as a pet, right? So, so there's a variety of different things in our in our cultural background that, in retrospect, you look at those things and you're like, wow, look how those things have molded me today. Look, look how much I appreciate the value of a dollar. Look how much I appreciate my education. Look how much I appreciate our communities that we serve because I can understand and relate to their experience. I can understand where they're coming from. Um, you know, a lot of what we do, Jose, Austin is remarkable in community engagement. Uh, Sanana, all of, all of the staff there, remarkable at community engagement. Um, and community engagement and being out is so resourceful. I remember doing an event uh, talking about substandard housing, and I had a group of um, you know Latinos community members sitting with me, and we were talking about different code sub- subjects, and then we broke for dinner. And I said, do you guys mind if, if I sit here, you know, and, you know, we'll talk and get to know each other? And they said, sure. And it's like, so you're an inspector. Yeah, I'm an inspector. I'm a code inspector. Yeah, so you probably have no clue of all of the perils that we that we endure, all of the things that, that we have to go through. And I said, actually, let's talk about that. And I said, sabían ustedes que I, I too am an immigrant? And I told them my story. I said, yeah. I, I came in just like any any normal person would think somebody comes into this country, right? I too had a coyote that brought us in. I too lived in a in a place where perhaps it's now considered substandard. And when I said that, they said, "Oh my God!" But yes. you're not you're not the normal Latina. And you know, Alvaro, Jose, and Pete, you guys know what I'm talking about—the normal Latina, right? The, the people that make it that then. Uh, unfortunately have this new attitude newfound attitude of i've made it so therefore i'm not going to help what we've done based on our story is use those as as the forces that we need to say i get you and because i get you we're going to work together versus i don't want to help you (laughs) so it, it was really rewarding for me and and um 
I, I'm so, so excited for this panel because I think that a lot of the times we walk through life not knowing the background of a person and not knowing why that person is who they are. So getting to know your stories is just that for me. You know, getting to know why you guys lead amazing teams, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. Everyone came with a common goal for, for a chance of an opportunity. Alvaro, right. you, you grew up on the field. You picked grades. You saw, right, firsthand what it took the opportunity component and why we want to be able to bestow that be, uh, upon the communities that we serve. Um, what about you, P? What do you think are some other added cultural components that really uh, enact the way that we, enact the change that we need when we're communicating with folks out in the field? You know, one of, one of the things that you touched upon is giving back. You know, I remember the first time that I ever, that I ever, you know, I went out with my assistant director in the city of Bellflower. You know, I was a new code officer. They, he sent me out. He's like, hey, we're going to go out. We saw a vendor, like a, a vendor, like an ice cream vendor. And he goes, hey, this is the deal. We're going to go out there, tell her she can't sell, and you're going you're gonna to confiscate her goods. You know, so I pull up, and the lady looked just like my mom. And as a kid, I used to sell grapes. You know, that was our side hustle. We, not grapes, oranges. We said we get oranges and sell them as side hustle. And, you know, we make five bucks here, five bucks there. And that was a mean for us to be fed. So the first time that I ever had to confront uh, a vendor, this lady looked like my mom. And it hurt me to my soul where that was the first time I think I ever wanted to cry in code enforcement. Because I couldn't believe that I was doing that to another human being. To me, you know, granted that I was still new. I didn't know about the health risk, <laughs> about, you know, the licensing issues, you know, um, sanitary, you know, uh, food handling. I didn't know any of that stuff. But once I got to learn that stuff, I got to educate the public and say, hey, there's a way for you to legally do it. Especially now in California, you can legally street vend as long as you meet the requirements. So that's a good thing that came out of California. But, you know, and a lot of jurisdictions don't want. But it hurt me to the core because that was the first time I felt like I would say Uncle Tomas, <laughs> you know, I, I never felt like that until that day. You know, the first time that you had to kick, you know, little Johnny out of the garage, it hurt, you know, because right. you, know, I, you see these things. And, you know, you know, when I go to, you know, when I speak to different audiences in Spanish, they don't know if I'm friend or foe. They never know. You know, they, they feel like I'm government. I'm probably corrupt. And, you know, I'm there to make their life miserable, which we're not. And I think those are important components. And you know, one of the one of the reasons that we wanted to have this panel is because we're in our industry. We're so diverse. We had a um, a Black History Month panel. We got to hear the struggles of the African American. Today, we're li listening to our upbringing in in different uh, culture in in the Hispanic community, because we bring all this extra extra stuff into our into our lives. Because you know what, we have to be empathetic. You know, we, we just have to. Um, and I think it's an important component. And, you know, and, and it's funny because I, I see everybody in our industry. Look, seeing Jose running for the board, it makes me proud. We have David Spencer that just gave a nice comment. He's running for the board, too. And we really appreciate, you know, if you guys get a chance to vote, great candidates, both of them. Um, you know, and, and when I got introduced, you know, everybody, you know, Alvaro was a big shot. You know, he's still a big shot, <laughs> you know. And, you know, I, I'm like, I want to be like that guy. You know, and guess what? This is me. I call him, you know, and we get each other's feedback because he took the foresight to help me understand 
things about myself and about our industry. And I really appreciate him for that, you know? And that saying that me and you always say, hey, work hard enough for your idols become your rivals, you know? You have to continue to push it forward. And that's what we're doing today. Today, we're reaching out to that new code enforcement officer, you know, that immigrant officer that doesn't, you know, English is their second language. They want to make it and they eventually want to grow. We're doing that for them today because if we can do it, and growing up in the circumstances that we grew up in, they can do. Like you, I grew up, uh, my brother was a bad boy. You know, he got kicked out of a district. I ended up going to a, a, a um, uh, you know, Caucasian school district, okay? So I was the only Hispanic, you know? So when everybody's eating Lunchables, you know, I'm eating my 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 bean and uh, flour and wrapped in uh, tin foil. So I'm like super embarrassed that I'm Hispanic. And that's something that I had to grow up with struggling with and you know what and it wasn't until later on in life that i really learned to appreciate my culture and all the experiences that we bring the family values the amount you know the why people do what they do you know yeah somebody's living in the garage because they don't want them to live on the street you know we understand this we understand why you have your uncle and your aunt and your cousin living in the same house because where else are they going their family where else are they going to go so you understand these things. Once you understand and you understand the repercussions of, you know, some of the actions that they may be doing and they may not know it's wrong and you can explain it to them why it's unsafe. It, it just elevates you and makes you a community partner in the Hispanic community. So with that, um, that's pretty much, you know, like that's what I get out of a lot of what we're doing. And I'm going to pass it over to, to Jose. So Jose. Yeah, I got to tell you, Pete, and, and I know uh, you and Ceci touched on something that, that is really close to me. It's actually how language connects us, right? And it's interesting because people see, oh, you speak Spanish, so, you know, you got to be Mexican, right? Automatically. But we have become so, so many cultures, right? And and Puerto Rican people speak one way. You can, you can identify who's from the Dominican Republic, from Cuba, from Mexico, from Argentina, you know? You can, you can tell, even though we speak Spanish, but it actually connects us with the community. So grow, growing up, because I actually spent my adult life, you know, I, I was 24 years old when I moved, Spanish was my first language. So, but my father had a vision. Uh, and, I, and I always, I'm thankful for that because he was a veteran of the Korean War. And, and he was like, you guys need to speak English. You guys need to learn English. And he used to buy books in English. He used to uh, speak to us in English and we respond in Spanish because we didn't want to learn the language. But we, we grew up, you know, learn, listening to him, right? And every time he had to call the United States for an order, he actually, you know, made us call so we can actually practice. So when I had to move here, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Yes, I do need to speak the language, right? So it was easier for the transition. But the fact that we are bilinguals and being able to connect with the community, I'll tell you that it actually helped me on my, on my career because I, uh, in Massachusetts, we actually saw a need for the Hispanic community that, you know, they wanted to buy houses, they wanted to, you know, you know, you know, but they didn't have the education. So we created seminars in Spanish for first time home buyers, right? And I remember, this, this is interesting. My first uh, meeting as a director for, for Austin Code, uh, we brought a, a, a tenant advocates with tenants into the, into the department. And they were kind of, they were really not, they were not happy, right? Because the conditions on the, on the, on the properties and so on. And they were like blaming the code, you guys not doing enough. So we brought them in and we have, you know, I'm introducing myself as a director and we had this, uh, you know, Hispanics there and we got interpreters for them. So there's this guy 
and his name was Jose too. And he's explaining all the issues that he's having in the apartments and why you can you guys are not doing anything about it. And the lady's translating in English, so everybody, and I'm just looking at him. And when I when I direct myself to him, I actually spoke in Spanish. And the whole the whole environment changed in the room. At the end of the meeting, we were the best. We did everything they needed. We were there to help them out because they knew we were listening. We're just not listening to an interpreter. We actually listen to the, what they were saying and understanding what they were saying. And that's what I told him. I understand what you're saying. You know, I'm, you know, I'm here for you and we're going to, we're going to work on that. So the, the ability that we have to, you know, sometimes being bilingual, connect with the community in a different way. I mean, it, it, it's actually, it's valuable. I mean, lately I've been, you know, partnering with ICC to reach out to, to Colombia, to Panama. Those people need, they, they, they realize, you know what, why, why do we have to write new codes? You know, we have great codes in the United States, let's, let's use them, but there is a barrier and that's the language, you know, and that's the language. Uh, fortunately, ICC has translated some of the, some of the, some of the codes, but we still have that education, you know, barrier. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's tremendous when you can connect with them and they're like, wow, you guys understand what we, what we're going for. And, you know, you're here to help us out. So it makes it makes a great difference, you know, the way you can connect with the community with, you know, knowing both languages and, and being able to do that with, with the Hispanic community. Absolutely. I, that That is, I think that is one of the biggest things, even as you said, Jose, bringing forth awareness on that is so important. And, and here's another example. Um, sometimes, and, and I was just uh, talking about this in a class that I taught not too long ago, but sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit, right? Um, I was in Michigan and they have an inspector there who um, was placed into code enforcement. And she was telling me through through our break, she said, you know what, um, I, I am new to code, but I, I know that I have so much to learn. And she said, uh, my first language is Spanish. And we started talking in Spanish and she said, and I know that, that sometimes my, my accent gets in the way and, you know, but I'm trying really hard. And I told her, I said, you're gonna be fine. Just keep doing the right. thing, it, you know, you're gonna get there. It, it, it's fine to me now. I wouldn't have otherwise noticed if you hadn't mentioned it to me, but you know what? There's some value to our language. There's there's a value that you said, Jose, where all of a sudden you're like, oh, I, I'm connecting with somebody. They understand me. I don't have to get a translator. That's great. And the other side of that is, you know, when we're communicating with someone that we don't speak the language, right? For example, I always say communication is key for a lot of reasons. It's it's the verbal and the nonverbal. And for those of us that are speaking with perhaps, you know, the Latin community or other communities that speak another language, I find ourselves in observation. Sometimes when we're speaking, we say, we are the cone inspector, right? <laughs> and, and they're looking at you like, what, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> I can hear you. I just can't understand you, right? And so it's even that. It's it's even breaking it down to, I know you can't understand me, so I'm going to try my best versus I am the code inspector because then they look at you like, pues esta que trae, why is she yelling at me? You know? <laughs> so it, it, again, it's, it's, it's so awesome to see how we communicate and how can we navigate all of that and, and, and get to the points that we need to get the points that we need to get to. Yes, Pete. So Ceci, uh, one of the, it's funny because one of the things I do is I, I do these presentations in Spanish and I always ask uh, who knows what code enforcement is. ¿Quién es el, el enforzador del código? Nobody understands. ¿Quién sabe quién es, quién es la ciudad? Le va a caer la ciudad. 
Everybody raises their hand. I go, <laughs> and they always trip out, like, oh my God, you're going to knock us out. And then, they, right. and then later on in the conversation, they're asking me questions. I'm like, well, do you have a garage conversion? Well, you know, like, we're asking, we have to kind of maneuver and say, okay, this is how you yeah. can legalize it. So they're trying to find ways, you know, um, but you, you tend to see this. And especially like in the city of Santa Ana, you get to see a lot of, you know, that's a very Hispanic community. So is Austin in Texas. But, know. you know, you see, you see Santa Ana, I guarantee you don't see stuff like Santa Ana. So, Mr. Nunez, can you please enlighten us? But, so, so it's kind of like Jose said, right? The, the language does connect us, right? Because we keep making that sense of distinction either by, by intentional or that sometimes the community feels because we're in government, we're no longer part of the community, right? So we balance it out. Here's what I find, right? N not only does my English has to be perfect, right? Excuse the accent, of course, the average accent. But guess what? So does Spanish. Yes. No, no te van a dar la quebrada, no te van a dar oportunidad si lo hablas mal. That's right. Usa una palabra que no está mal apropiada, they'll catch you on it. They will point it out. I said, I, and, and you know what? And, and we do it too, to ourselves. You know, you will hear people, y, so yo le dije, so yo puedo hacer, wait, 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 it's Spanish or English? It can't be so. <laughs> And, and so for us, as, as we become part of this integrated government, if you will, this government that was more diverse, we are still a part of that community. So we show that in a representative manner, right? That's the key because we don't lose ourselves, right? We don't lose ourselves. And I think that's the key. Like, right? And they start, and even at that point, they start almost um, saying, Quieren la ciudad. They don't even know your name. They, they remember you. They might remember your name at the meetings, but they remember you from the ciudad. See, that's what they say. They'll say, there you go, de la ciudad. Right? That's the one. Or, and sometimes when you build a reputation, guess what happens? Ven con el de la ciudad. Él te va a ayudar. And that's yeah. also part of the balancing aspect, right? You become yeah. a resource. You know, sometimes, oh my God, I don't want to be that resource no more, right? Because it's a lot of work. But you have this level of resource, right? But it's like more. You know it's more, and we know it's more. But you expect it now. It's, it's who you are. You, you can say you can stop. You can say you can, you know, curtail it. But it becomes part of your DNA, right? Especially, I think, for us, who are first generation, not just first generation into gaining this type of job, but in this sense of accomplishments, if you will. When we talk about that, remember how we started this whole pioneer spirit, this sense that we're the first ones, right? You know, when I tell now my story, says, hey, my father was a bracero. Right, one of those, you know, and, and, and they look at what bracero means, you know, part of the, you know, the, the guest worker aspect, right? And then what that means for us, and then now me being at this position and still being bilingual, and like I said, I don't just have to be a good English speaker; my Spanish has to be impeccable yes. when I communicate, right? Because the ladies will come, the guys, gentlemen will come and I say, "Oiga, uh, para el futuro no se dice el canso, se dice el cabildo." 
se dice sí, entonces no necesariamente, pero el cabildo es diferente a la restricción. Then you start going to Spanish, kind of usurping them. Wait, wait, wait. No, I said it's not an easy translation. Es que no la cosa va a ser. Wait a minute. En Cuba no se usa igual, right? El cabildo puede ser lo mismo del Congreso en Puerto Rico. Not in Cabo, right? So, and when you start doing that. And, you, and, the, and the, you almost not show it up, but you almost say this in a way that says, hey, wait a minute. We know. And it's a higher level of respect. But it also tells us, right, that we have a responsibility, even as we continue to go in an industry, that we still maintain that strong sense of connected cultural uh, diversity, that we still nurture that part of our, of our, of our being. Right, they will stay with that language component. They will continue to educate because we are, we understand, like Jose said, I know the difference between the Mexican and Dominican, the Cuban and the real, and that's why I said that they said, no, 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 señor. Si vamos a ir a Nicaragua o a Puerto Rico, el cabildo va a ser completamente diferente. And that's what we have to adapt. We have, we have to adapt. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so when we say that, and they get impressed, you know, and then I say, no, señor, no, you know, una cosa es un, un ejido comunal y otra cosa es otra cosa, right? You, you almost have to because we can't afford to lose that sense of, not necessarily um, uh, uh, understanding, but educational component so that we garner the, the same level of respect. And then after that, you don't have to do it anymore, right? Because the position speaks for you. Él viene de la ciudad. Velcro de la ciudad. Él te va a hablar. They might not remember Álvaro. They might not remember Pete, Cecilia, José, pero el de la ciudad. And for whatever reason, was you give your number to one person, and that number, yeah, hey, big mistake, rookie mistake. Right. You know, right. we, do it, we do it in the beginning. We do it in the beginning because we want to be helpful. But then it becomes, you know, quote unquote, and I say that a nice, facetious manner becomes your curse. It's a given that every, you know, it keeps them coming and coming and coming for service. But it becomes part of you. You know that because part of your DNA, right? And that's what you talk about diversity, the sense of cultural understanding, the sense of language capability. Look at how it sounds. Sounds wow. No, it's still being community. Siendo la comunidad, para la comunidad, como la comunidad. That's what it means. And you're right. We are the probably when 70, 80% of our folks in Santana are Latinos. And one thing, one thing, Alvaro, you know what? You are so right on the communication skill because Cecilia will clown me on my Spanish. My Spanish is horrible. I had to take a Spanish for speaking. Remember paraphrasing the the, the scene? Yeah. You have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and yes. more American than the Americans. And some people say, well, that's not right. You can get into this whole, you know, self-criticizing <laughs> what it means, but that's a story for another day. I get it. You know, guess what? I do want to be more American than the American. And guess what? I want to be more Mexican than the Mexican. Why not? Right? Por que no? You know, why yeah. not? That's what I told Pete. Yeah, and you know what too even even looking at the expansion of that inspection i i remember 
you know, going to an inspection and there's different types of traditional uh, Latinos, just like in any culture, right? The, the, the traditions are different. So for example, I was re responding to a call of a sewer line leak onto the public right of way. And I showed up and, and the wife was home with the daughters and, and I said, you know, I'm here, so, you know, soy la inspectora de la ciudad, necesito hablar con ustedes, need to let you know about the sewer line. And I said, oh, wait, no, say no more. We're waiting for dad. Dad needs to be here, right? So then by then, you know, the brother, the, the, the other kids had gone home, the grandkids had gone home, and we're still sitting there waiting for the dad to come home, right? But it's a respect thing. So the dad comes home and he walks in and he sits down and he's like, okay, you're the inspector. What's wrong? Tell me, talk to me. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I'm talking to my dad right now. You know, <laughs> I'm having a conversation with my dad right now, but even telling him the things I needed to tell him, you know, his immediate response was just take my house, just take it. You know, you want it, just, just, just take my house. I know that's what the city wants. And being able to talk him down to no, senor, no, sir, that's not what we're here for. We want to help you. But it's that I work so hard. I want to get this done. It's my house. Why are you here telling me what to do? So it's really breaking it down to them, right? And showing that level of respect because, yes, in, in a lot of traditional East uh, Latin families, like familias Latinas, they have that hierarchy of respect, right? Where we know you're going to tell us something, but dad has to be here first. He needs to hear it. And then whatever dad decides, then we'll go with that, right? So it's almost like you got you to gotta talk to the dad and you got to know how to talk to the dad and again, communicate with the dad. So it's just, it's those different layers of maneuvering inspection through inspections and, and making sure that we're getting it right. So it's really, it, it really uh, tailors us to look at things from a different lens, if you will. So Cecilia, one, one thing that I want to outline in this panel is, you know what, we chose Cinco de Mayo for diversity because it has a significance to the Hispanic community. So we chose this date. Uh, same thing with Black History Month. And we haven't talked about the, you know, we talk about pioneers. We talk about the fierce Latinas in our in our industry, you know, yeah. you yourself, we call you La Reina, you know, and, and you know, yeah, I know you don't like it, but you know, we have the Cynthia Velasquez, the Mini Garcias, the Danielas, uh, the Bacas, the Alejandra Muratayas, you know, even 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 our, our honorary uh, Hispanic Raquel Patterson, you know, so we we have everybody here, you know, that really look because they want to change the way we do things they, you know we, we you know i've sat on panels for for alvaro where one of his requirements is to be bilingual to communicate with the community i'm looking at linkedin facebook twitter i see jose translating his information into spanish you know what because it's needed you know i'm i was previously working with the uh mayor of Pinol and in regards to educating the vendors on the right way to obtain a business license these are things that us as code officials need to continue to put out there say hey this is something that you may not know and do it in different languages so they understand one of the things that we want to do down the road is get a panel of people who spanish is i mean english isn't their first language and they integrated into code enforcement and the struggles that they had because you know what, being, not knowing a language, I was on that boat growing up, you know, I didn't learn English till about seven, when I was seven, because my, my, my school was primarily Spanish speaking. 
So I learned, I was in a bilingual program and I learned English and then I assimilated and, you know, that's where it went. But it's, it's, it's hard to go to a school and you don't know the, I, I get it. It's hard. And trying to explain something to the, the mom in English, it's a hard thing, you know, and even with the, with the Spanish uh, speaking dads, if you talk to them at their level, because they always demand a sense of respect. I'm getting home. I need to eat first. Don't talk to me until I eat. And then we can talk. And I'm like, no, like, look, senor, this is the case. And you talk to them on their level, they will give you that respect, you know? But you have to make sure that you don't come in, a, in, a, in an authoritarian uh, fashion, say, hey, I'm the city and you're going to do what I'm telling you to do. No, you come at them like, look, you may not know I'm here, your sewage bill. You know, I una caquita en la, en la banqueta. No puede ser eso. You know, you, you, you explain it to them, like, you know, like, okay, necesita, necesita arreglar la, la, la plomería. Or whatever it is, you know, you, you need to explain to them where they understand and say, okay. And of course, they're all, a lot of times they're going to say, oh, I can fix it. I'm like, no, you need a license contractor. Well, there that's going to cost me money. That's Go right. Ahead, we, we come from families that we, we used to do everything, you know, right? There was no no permits, you know, anything like that. You know, we just do the work, right? We're handy, we can do it, right? So that that's a culture in the Hispanic community. You know, what what I what you hear tell me what can I do or not do with my house, you know? So the education part, and you bring something nice because uh language, I mean that's I, I'm fortunate enough to have great people in my department, so I don't do all that translation. I mean, you met ECs and Lucero, which you know, you know, work very good with uh, with with Ceci. But we actually <laughs> implemented a, we implemented a language access uh, app, you know, in in all the inspector phones. So any language that they encounter in the field, they can go in there, even sign language, right? And they can connect that person and work. So they that's can fantastic. understand what we do. Oh yeah, that that's that. for the first time we did the annual report in uh, English, Spanish, and Chinese. I mean, so. We are we we understand we bring that that perspective of of knowing how important it is to understand the 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 laws the regulations because they get they get complicated right yeah. they get complicated yeah because we don't deal with those in in our countries you know we don't we don't deal with those but but see what Jose said because we come from that perspective because we understand what language yeah. and how significant that means. So when we deal with other cultures, let's say Vietnamese, Chinese, as how you indicated, or Farsi with, you know, from the Middle East, we understand that the communication is key. So we don't even see it as an affront. We don't see it as an added imposition. We just understand that's part of the, the diversity and the diagram, the paradigm, right? We say, okay, we need somebody. Pete uh, uh, said it. When I hire folks, I hire them bilingual. The bilingual skill is just as critical and necessary, at least in my city, in my community, just as knowing the, the you know, the powers of arrest, just like knowing health and safety section, just as important as, uh, as knowing the, the, the building code and the structural code requirements, right? It's not in lieu of, guess what? It's an addition to, right? And because we have that, like Jose said, then we can use it in application. Just, you know, we try it in Chinese. For us, it would be probably Vietnamese in, in our city, right? The next the component. We understand diversity when we talk with African-Americans, right? That sense of significance and respect. Yeah, you know, we impose the authority because that's what we're required to do, right? It's not Agro Nunez, it's the code. Yeah. The reason is safety. Notice I keep saying, and, and, you, and you know, because we see it in our industry, we have this sense of a mentality 
Well, we do have police powers, and sometimes that seems to overcome some of that, that sense of perspective, right? But ours is corrective notices, right? When we start saying citations and notice and orders, not yeah, that's 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 the code words. But when you do the, the, the communicative aspect, hey, our issues are corrective. It's why it's to correct an issue that hopefully is to avert any safety concerns. And when we use those terms, it allows us that. And again, language is component. I mean, I'm glad you said it like that, Jose. It's not just the connectivity, it's what gives us the understanding. Okay. So that we don't feel like I said, a sense of, oh, I, I don't have anybody. Go get somebody else who speaks either Spanish or, 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 or English, right, to come talk to me. No, we get it, right? We, we, we that's empathy. That's yes. understanding. That's being aware. That's what diversity brings. It educates different components. It's, it's the cultural understanding. We get it. Okay, you know what? Guess what my next hire is gonna be? Thank you very much. And again, not to compromise the lack of knowledge for others. You have to be a good writer, right? That's the key, you know, it's, it's in addition to, and for me, it becomes the the new way. And, and I, you know, Pete says, I heard me say it, hey, it's the Santa Ana way. Hey, this, here's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 te gusto, no te gusto? You, li you like it, you didn't like it, it doesn't matter. It's the Santa Ana way. Right? right. You know when people come in, as long as they get it, well, that's how they do it here. It becomes the norm. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's not an issue of, of contradiction, not an issue of, of buying or selling. Hey, here's what we expect. And this is a, a, a vital part of the sense. Now, does that mean that there's no compromises being made? We acknowledge that from the beginning. We already know the compromises have to be done. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the sort of hierarchy and respect. We know, right? We know how, how to approach that and because we learn it what whether it be a cultural perspective or the sense of authority but we we understand what that means you, you know Absolutely. one of the things i want to touch on because i know we're running short on time you know and and the other part of diversity is being a woman in code enforcement as a latina I have my good friend elisa vargas I, I was on the phone with her the other day and she was keep doing an inspection in spanish and you can tell the the, the contractor was not digging that uh female was telling him what to do. So um, can you give us a little perspective on on, on, on that particular uh, piece there, Ms. Cecilia? Uh, absolutely. So <clears throat> that's what we we, we in, in the Latin world call machismo. <laughs> the machismo is real sometimes when it comes to dealing with contractors out in the field because of that cultural, you know, uh, a way of thinking sometimes that kind of gets in the way and muddies the waters in communication. So sometimes when you're coming in as, as a female inspector and, and you got a bunch of things going against you, you're female, you're younger, you're Latina, and you're telling a Latino, fellow Latino male, hey, you know, perhaps you didn't, you, you're not ready to pour, your rebar isn't right, you know, uh, your forms aren't right or what have you. Um, and they're looking at you like, well, what do you mean my forms aren't right? What do you mean I don't have the adequate holdings? What do you mean I can't pour? Whatever, right? So they get a little upset, like, what are you going to teach me about what, what my job is? You know, so you get a little bit of that, that uh, hesitation. And that's actually true across the board, even all the way through um, when you're coming in from that aspect. So it really takes the ability to like Alvaro said, 
be better than the contractor that you're talking to always preparing yourself right going to that along the same lines of, of the movie selena you know said más mexicano que el mexicano said más contratista que el contratista really prepare yourself so that when you're out there you're like i know my stuff and i'm telling you this because i'm not trying to make you have a hard day i just want you to get it right it'll minimize the, the, the correction notice it'll minimize you know stopping stopping your job or or delaying it or any delays right it really will focus on getting you where you need to be um and you know what in addition to that accessibility alvaro and, and jose you guys spoke about the accessibility component right we talk a lot about the accessibility component when it comes to our uh, community our constituents right but even for those of us that are coming into this field new um, having a, a you know a Spanish as a, as a primary language, English as a second language, or any other language as a second language, right? Or English as a second language in general. We want to make sure that we have accessibility to those folks, a career path, right? A path that they could follow to get them where they need to be, so that they can boost their level of confidence when they're out in the field, so they can boost their skill set when they're out in the field. Alvaro, you and I are of the mind, and he and I have had Alvaro, you, you and I have had conversations about. When we hire folks, yes, the certifications are perfect. You know, that the experience is great, but we're, all, we're also looking at quality. We're looking at attitude. We're looking at uh, drive, desire, right? Where all of those things come into play as well. And a lot of the time, somebody may be ruled out as, oh, you know, they might struggle with communication, but how do you know that, right? If you don't give them an opportunity. It's about the accessibility component, really being able to say, okay, what can I do to bring in somebody and make it easier for myself, like Alvaro said, right? If I need a Spanish-speaking person, I'm going to get them on board. And guess what? I can train them on all the other things, right? Jose? That's, that's a great point. And I think that I, I see ourselves as leaders, leaders in the industry, right? So a leader is a person that identifies the talent and you mentor those people to actually do better. So when you see those people that, you know, from, from your community, like I have another Puerto Rican in my department, it's like, okay, you know, I, and we identify, right? Because he has a flag in the cubicle and we can talk about the stuff. And I want to see him succeed, right? And I mentor many people. It doesn't, they don't have to be just Hispanic, but I just pour yourself, you know, if you're here and, and you were able to actually get to where you are, pour yourself into others, duplicate, you know, because yeah. we're not going to be here forever, right? And when you see the success in other people, when you see them, you know, succeeding and they, because they see, they, they look at you as an inspiration, right? So just duplicate, you know, just mentor people and and, and provide, you know, we, we can, if you look back in your career, you can identify some of the barriers and the challenges that you have. So make it easy for other people, you know, just take those challenges, take those barriers away and make it easier for them to actually get there. I mean, that's, that's the key. But, but Jose, you said it, right? We identify, so we get it. And it has to be then, it can't be an accident. It can be a, 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 an issue of a, a luck of the draw. We consciously have to do it, right? You talk about women in court enforcement. We had an opportunity to promote three supervisors. At least one was female. We got an opportunity to hire five new people. At least a, a certain segment of them were going to be female, right? It's not because that's the way it came out. Uh, you said a quota. No, I didn't say quotas. We, we made sure that our pool offered that opportunity. So we don't have to be worrying about, are we gonna have diversity in language? Are we gonna have diversity in gender, right? So, because like you said in yourself, it becomes a structural issue. See, the academic word, not we planned it, we're smart, we're the leaders. No, use the terms. 
This is a structural component. This is a need for the community. It's a vibrant need of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Wow. What it means is we know what's hard for us. How about we make it easy? That's right. right? And, and so you talk about, you know, like you said, we're not going to be on for a long time. That's the legacy. Don't let the on me. You don't have to thank me. Hey, guess what? We made structural changes. And that's the word about, you know, how we started with this word pioneer just leaked out, right? Is that that's what pioneers do. They make it easy for the next folks. They make it easy for the next folks that are coming in after you. That's the key. <laughs> so you, you do, you thank are you, doing I know, I see. No, that yeah. this is the this is the summer. This is the summer one. So you know, it's like. <laughs> oh, wow, look at that. So you know, well, you know what? You know what? One thing, you know, and I'm gonna call out Alvaro because you know, in, in Southern California, there's a lot of folks that want to make it to Santa Ana. Santa Ana is one of those. They do everything there. So does I'm pretty sure they do everything in Austin. You know, and you market it really well that you guys do. But Santa Ana is known for that. And it's funny because I had a conversation when I was in the city of Montebello and I'm trying to recruit good people, but we're not paying well. And I go, how do you get the best of the best? He goes, I can afford it. I can afford the Yankees. You unfortunately got the Brewers. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing. And today, I look at that and I'm like, you know what? We want to get good quality people. We have to compensate them better. And we have to open that pool like Alvaro said. You have to have the best of the best to make good change, you know? And I think that is something that comes out of this panel. I'm like, you know what? We all, you know, there's a reason why we're all, you know, where we're at in our positions because we've worked hard to what we're doing. And now we're at a point where we can give back and mold and mentor others. And I think for me, that's what Cecilia is doing with the women leaders. She's molding the next generation of female inspectors or you know all of those molding the next you know group of uh folks in santa Ana and you and austin and me and you know i i'm just a wanderer around the world so you know that's what i do but cecilia thank you for moderating this panel we really appreciate you you know you are always top notch so thank you for everything well, no, th thank you all of you for spending some time this afternoon i was very excited for this conversation and and just so that there's no confusion we all here know exactly the meaning of cinco de mayo but we felt that it was a good opportunity for us to talk about a little bit of about who we are our stories what we've brought to the table what we continue to bring to the table how important it is to create pathways for those that are wanting to get into this industry how we not only support our communities that are of spanish speaking but also how we support our staff and you know what we we were really quoting this afternoon alvaro was quoting selena one of my favorite movies um i'm gonna quote another one mi familia you know one of one of the quotes that was uh stated there was the greatest gift a man could ever have the greatest treasure a man could ever have is familia and truly that is what we are in code enforcement we're a big code family and we support each other as you can see here i'm in northern california jose is all the way in austin uh, pete and alvaro are all the way in southern california we do what we do because we have a direct desire to serve the communities that that we uh you know represent but in addition to that to build the next generation of leaders that are going to come into this industry by providing opportunity by providing development by providing accessibility into this profession and again 
I'm very excited that we got to spend an afternoon with everybody. I hope that some of the things that we shared were, were of use or helpful or motivating or encouraging to anybody. We are all accessible and always willing to take any calls. Um, Alvaro said, be careful, don't give your phone number out. That's true, true story. But you know what, in our community, we're, we're, we say it and then we're right there doing it, right? So it's who we are, it's, who we are. it's in our DNA, it's who we are. Exactly, it's who we are. Yeah, so feel free to reach out anytime. Y'all have an amazing day. Feliz Cinco de Mayo, mi gente. Uh, pásensela bien, disfruten, hagan lo que necesitan que hacer, pórtense bien, y si no, inviten, ¿verdad? Who's getting the margaritas? Oh, we'll come to you, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, thank you, thank goodness. you for everything. Thank you. You got it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.